what's going on and welcome to strange talk with doc this is a very special strange talk with doc this is the best of strange talk with doc the fourth quarter of the year 2022 which will cover what i said between the months of october through december so this will be my next to last live show my next show is going to be the best of strange talk with doc 2022 all quarter clips combined into one show and then my very last live show will be on 1229 that is going to be the year 2022 in review the rest on pieces the news stories the sports music television what i consider to be the highlight and low lights of 2022 and once again that's going to be on 1229 2002. It's going to be a very brief introduction to what you're going to hear bits and clips of, and we're going to move on to the clips and let you determine if I had a good last quarter or not. Well, we lost Stephen Twitch Boss at the age of 40. Uh, apparently, he uh, committed suicide. Very sad. I watched this guy. So when you think you can dance from day one, I always had that big smile on his face. I didn't see him on Ellen. I'm not a fan of Ellen's show, so I didn't watch it. But sometimes a a smile, laughter hides pain. And if you know, if you or someone you know is experiencing suicidal thoughts, please call 911 or call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 988 or 1-800-273-8255, or you can text HOME at the crisis text line at 741-741. If you are youth, you can text TEEN to TEEN at 839-863, or you can call 1-877-968-8491. Now, the child care, and I think this is very important. That's why I'm doing this right now. It's only going to take a minute of your time. If you are a child and you feel that a child is being abused, call or text 1-800-422-4453. If you know somebody or you're experiencing domestic violence, the hotline is text START, S-T-A-R-T, to 88788. Or you can call 1-800-799-7233. If you know somebody who's been involved with rape, abuse, or incest, you can call 1-800-656-4673. That's called RAIN. If you know somebody that's dealing with an issue in the LBGTQIA plus community, you can call the Trevor Project at 1-866-488-7386 or text START to 678-678. If you are experiencing some kind of problem with drug and alcohol abuse and you need to speak to somebody, call 1-800-662-4357. So they voted into law the Respect to Marriage Act on 1213. I appreciate that because uh, the LBGTQIA plus community marriages should be respected and also interracial marriages should be respected. 2022 and they just signed this into law kind of doesn't make sense. 
We found out that dark chocolate has toxic medical metals in it. So be very careful. I don't care what brand you're using. Hershey, Lens, Tony's Chocolatey. It does not make a difference. If you're using dark chocolate, and I'm a fan of dark chocolate, I'm going to have to reevaluate this because these toxic metals are in every bar that's been tested. So Trump decided that he's going to make a major announcement. And it turns out that he, all he's doing, he's a superhero on DTCs, digital trading cards. He is now a buffed out, younger, fit, body beyond control superhero. What a grifter, what a phony, what a fake, what a thief. What he does to the people who literally these people love him, they revere him, they look up to him, and he abuses them financially. It makes no sense. So these are going to be the topics that you're going to hear the clips of. And I'm out of here, people. The first one you're going to hear is on the dog days, who are you? Second, do you not do do not heal? You do not heal by running away from issues. Once again, you do not heal by running away from issues. The third topic is we can dance. Thirteenth topic, I mean, fourth topic is 12-step programs, AA and NA. They're popular, but are they actually effective? The fifth would be when they, meaning he or she or whoever, starts complaining about what you eat, your relationship might be almost over. The next topic will be faith does not match reality. The next topic after that will be black people stop being stupid, wake the fuck up. And also dealing with the 11th anniversary of the best and worst day that I've ever had. Then we go into the holiday season. Is it in? It's in full swing. Are you keeping it real? Then I also had a topic. My podcast sucks if you're looking for certain conversations. So let us go into what kind of conversations those actually are. And then I have an open call-in podcast so you will not find me debating on any form of social media pick up your phone and call into the strange talk with doc podcast and i explain why i feel like that uh this these are the subject matters and now what i'm going to do is we're going to start off with the clips like i said once again the best of strange talk with doc fourth quarter october 2 December 2022, and I hope that you have a blessed Hanukkah, a blessed Christmas, a blessed Kwanzaa, if that's what you celebrate. I will speak to you before New Year's. I hope that you and your family be well, that y'all have nothing but love, peace, happiness, and I will wrap to you again on the 29th of December when I do my year in review broadcast. Peace to you and peace your darkest days yours. Who are you? Who is Doc on his darkest days? But before I get to that, I have to address something. It takes a, t a lot of time and energy to make a podcast episode. I don't just shoot off the top of my head talking shit about stuff that I do not know for no apparent reason. So that means I put preparation, I put time, energy, and effort. And one of you cowards, somebody out there who is a complete and utter coward, 
who can't handle confrontation because I leave this airways open for anybody to be able to call in and debate with me if that's what they choose to do. There's a comment section on YouTube where you can tell me if you felt that I was off base about something. But to cry to YouTube to have them delete a video where I have to go back in and edit out something that you didn't like a line from is cowardice. I don't know how you were raised. I don't know how weak you really are at your core that you can handle hearing somebody who has a different opinion on the subject matter than you may have. And that's not an adult way to handle it. Uh, actually, you're not even welcome to be here anymore. I don't give a fuck who you are, who you think you are to me. Don't listen to Strange Talk with Doc. Listen to somebody who will placate you. Listen to somebody who will feed your needs, who will babysit you and hold your fucking hand, child, as you walk across the street called life because you cannot handle hearing something that might go against a viewpoint that you have and you're not man nor woman enough to actually debate one-on-one -on -one and try to correct me where I'm wrong when I ask my viewers all the time that if I'm off base to please correct me and I will see how that fits in my lifestyle. So you cannot accuse me of having a closed door. You have a closed mind and I am now closed-minded to you because you wasted my time, you wasted my energy, you made me almost throw away an episode that could have been very helpful because I had a lot of things positive to say on that episode, but I have nothing positive to say about you. Like I said, you need to grow up here. You need to grow up and understand that everything ain't about your viewpoints. Everything ain't about how you want to hear things. If things go against a certain thing in your lifestyle, take a look at it. Maybe you could be 100% right, then educate us. And you may be 100% wrong, and then you just need to shut the fuck up. Live and let live. But as I said, uh, don't let the door hit you on your ass as you leave the strange talk with Doc Universe. Thank you very much, and have a great day. So we're going to talk now about on your dark, the darkest days. Who are you? See, a dark day is not going to be the same for everybody. A dark day for some people is going to be a diagnosis. A dark day for another person is going to be losing a job. A dark day for another person is going to be losing a loved one. Dark days for some people is losing employment, place to stay. Now, most of these are dark days for everybody. But we can I cannot measure somebody's feelings on what is considered a real dog day. A dog day might be you reusing drugs, relapsing. So there are many things. The day of your divorce, the day that you had to move out of your home from your children. There are a lot of dog days. Um, but dog days are just the same as money. When people get a lot of money, it reveals who they really are. It brings out the true self. So some people who have always been sweet and kind become mean and nasty and angry when they get money. Dog days can do the same. It also could take a person who has always been cold-hearted on the outside. It was just a show. All of a sudden, they become soft-hearted, kind, sweet, caring, because they now feel the vulnerability. So dog days don't affect us all the same but it will reveal some truths about you. You know, as iron sharpens iron, 
so should a friend sharpen a friend. And in a dog day, if you have a friend, let that friend sharpen you. If you have a true friend, not a person who's going to use your darkness against you at a later date, take their strength against your weakness and be able to manipulate or play over you in some way. You got to be truly honest with yourself about who you are in your dog days, right? Because you might have a range of emotions that attack you. Anger, sadness, confusion. You might want to throw a pity party. Some people remain totally calm. They have the idea and the, and the mantra of it is what it is. And I kind of fall into that category. Some people say this too will pass. Some people rely on their faith. Some people pray. Some people cry. Some people have fits of emotion, fear, acceptance. Some people let their inner light shine. They maintain or you can lose your whole value systems during dark days. Your moral and ethics can be thrown out of the window. A lot of people reach out. Some people withdraw. A lot of people go through the why me syndrome. And then there are people on this earth who face it head on. You have to figure out. See, this is all rhetorical. I don't need an answer from anybody about any of these, but I am trying to put a bug in your ear to make sure because we're all going to face dark days and you have to come to some kind of realization. What kind of person are you going to actually be when that dark day appears? This way you can prepare yourself mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually so that you can give the best that you can and not give your family the worst of you. Because some of these things are positives that I mentioned, and some of these things are truly, truly negative. I mean, you could, a person on a dark day who has a bad diagnosis might go to the YOLO syndrome. I forgot that one. And just say, you only live once and throw everything out the fucking window. I mean, destroy lives as they go upon because they feel vengeful. They feel, they feel like the world owes them something. Like I said, I am one of those people. It is what it is. I look at everything from a whole perspective and say to myself, perspective, and say to myself, what did I do to get myself in the position that I am in today? Was it my fault or was this circumstances I could not control? If it's circumstances I cannot control, I'm not even going to sweat it too much because it's meant for me. Now, if it's partly my fault or mostly my fault, more than likely, situations I get in are going to be mostly my fault. I'm just a realist. Then I have to think about what could I have done different. But I can't live in the past of trying to change something that's already occurred. I now have to deal with the consequences of the things that I am dealing with today. Because we're all dealing with something today. It might not be darkness, but it might be something that might be leading to darker days. So we have time while we have time. We have time while we have time to make some corrections to fix these things. I'm hoping that in your darkest day that you will have some of the positive things, that you will let your inner light shine, that you will have faith, that you won't be confused, that you will be able to attack things head on, that you will be able to face reality, that you will live in reality and not in a fantasy of 
miracles. Sometimes we're not going to have a miracle. Some people are going to have great miracles and God bless them, but everybody doesn't fall under the miracle category. Some people are going to have to deal with what they deal with as it comes. And they're just going to have to hope that they come out on the other end stronger than they ever did. That iron sharpens iron. Sometimes you have to be the own iron sharpening yourself. So just take that into consideration. I thank you for listening to me. And we're going to go on to the normal show on why you do not heal from running away from issues. Now, this is metaphorically, figuratively. Running is great for the body. It's great for losing weight. It's great for getting in shape. It's great for blood flow. But it is not great for repairing core issues. It is not refate, uh, great for confronting problems. It is not great for making you think that running will make anything disappear. Running involves fear. Then you got to figure out where did you learn this fear from? It is a behavior pattern, your coping mechanism. Uh, you unsatisfied, you're trapped, you feel powerless, you feel damaged. Running away cannot solve your problems. You will never heal at all by not facing your problems. You have a toothache, you need a dentist. You can't see, you need an eye doctor. You are physically ill, you may need to go to a regular doctor. You might need to get a procedure done to fix you. So do not think for any way, shape, or form that just running away or burying something will make it go away. We as men, especially men, women seem to handle this issue totally different. They face things like this head on. They face things like this with their children head on. They face it with their parents head on. Men like to bury their head in the sand and say, that pain will go away. This need has bothered me. This me not being able to breathe properly, that'll pass. Sometimes that's what's going to kill you. So don't run away. Don't be afraid or ashamed or fearful of the news that you may receive. Now it's up to you to be able to fight, get a game plan together, and know what you're dealing with. But if you keep running like Forrest Gump, you'll never get to see what you're actually trying to face. And then you got to remember, it's staying still won't really help you too much either, either. Because you cannot heal in the same space that you got sick in. You need to be in a different environment to heal. When you go to a hospital, and if they're honest with you, and I've been in the hospital before, they tell you, you don't get well here in the hospital. We deal with fixing whatever the issue is. We let you recover. But your healing will take place elsewhere. They just get you prepared to go elsewhere where now you still have to face the reality of whatever it is you're dealing with, but you're no longer running because you're in a position of vulnerability. You know, they have made you vulnerable to whatever ails you. They have worked on it, but now it's up to you to rebuild yourself. Think about this. Why do people seem to get ill in a hospital? They had the issue fixed. They had the heart surgery, had the lung surgery. They got whatever needs to be done, but they've lost weight, this, that, and the other while they're there. It's because it's not a healing environment. 
your healing environment is where you feel love, where you feel protected, where you feel like you can be nurtured. That could be home. That could be in somebody else's care. But it's not going to be in the care of strangers who are waking you up two, three, four o'clock in the morning to get blood, etc. But you just have to be able to learn. We all should learn that we have got to not run. We cannot run just because we feel powerless against a situation. We have to face it head on. And the strength that comes with facing things head on, it is beyond this world. It's beyond any drug that you will ever take. It is beyond any medicine. It is beyond any feeling. To be able to face a fear, conquer a fear, get by a fear, and know that it's for your embedment is one of the greatest things that you could ever do. Don't teach your kids to run away from issues. I mean, sure, we have a flight and flight or flight or fight mechanism built in us. And there are certain situations where I'm sure if a gun is pulled and you're unarmed, it's better to get in the wind. I'm not saying anything stupid like that. I'm not saying to stand there and fight a battle that you cannot win when it's best that you just put your two legs on the ground rapidly and move in a direction, which is called running. I'm just saying, don't run from things. If you are in a bad relationship, you can't just run from it. You got to face it. You got to deal with it and see how you resolve this. If you dissolve it or if you decide to fight and keep this thing going, you have a scale. Balance out your scale. Put things properly on both ends of the scale and do it honestly. See, a part of running away from a deal is wanting to not be honest with the subject matter at hand. And that's basically all I wanted to say. And now we're going to move on to the regular portion of the show. But remember, once again, you do not heal from running away from any issue. It will still be there. It will be like your shadow. It will trail you everywhere you go. Just because you run doesn't mean it can't pick up stands before we get to the normal show. Okay? I'm going to tell you first off, we know that life is not perfect, right? There's no perfect. There's going to be issues. There's going to be things going on in everybody's life at any particular time. And me telling you that we can dance does not mean that you should be putting on a recital. I'm not asking you to go crazy with it. But we have to learn the universal language of dance. It's something that's going to help you to enjoy, release going to have no shame you're going to be in freedom you're going to get in touch with your spirit it's a stress releaser reliever it's exercise it's an outlet it builds confidence it allows you to express yourself it's fun it's entertaining motivational inspirational and you can get lost in a dance you can forget your troubles for two or three minutes it's gonna you can do it anytime anywhere I don't care if it's just called tapping your feet. Maybe you do a stinking pop lock. You do a giddy. You do a line dance. Find a minute a day to put something on to get you out of yourself and get you in touch with the inner human being, which is called your spirit, and let them be free. And freedom to them is also just a dance. It's just a form of saying to yourself, you know, I know I got bells. I know my kids are a pain. Maybe my wife or my husband is bothering me. 
but you know what? I'm going to zone out for two or three minutes a day, and I'm going to just let my mind float. I'm going to be above myself. I'm going to be inside myself, not sexually, so don't get me wrong there, but I'm going to be inside myself. And that inner being inside me, I'm going to let it just release me. I mean, there's no reason to be shy. You could do this when you're alone. Everybody should have a couple of minutes, even a family man with multiple kids, a family woman with multiple kids should find some space and time each day to do whatever it is that they need to do to have time for themselves. I don't care if it's pray, meditate, but it's in a dance because there's no way to really express yourself freely more than just doing a dance step. Like I said, it does not matter what kind of dance you do because we're not all the same. We're not going to all move the same. There's no, even though it's the interlinked, international universal language there is just not one way to speak it there are multiple ways to speak it and i hope that you find something to dance about today i hope that you find some reason to do a pop lock i i know damn the world's worst pop locker but i guarantee you a commercial a movie a, a song that i put on each and every day is going to make me do a move outside of my normal just walking because I need that freedom. I need to stay in contact with my soul at all times. And I thank you for going through that with me. Just remember, life's not perfect, but find a way, shape, or form to have a, a lot dance of stuff today. But one of the main topics of our show is 12-step programs, which mean AA and NA. They're very popular, no doubt about it. But are they actually effective? Now, we're going to get to that in a second. Uh we know we're going to talk some NFL, we're going to talk some UFC, we're going to talk some NBA, we're going to talk some Major League Baseball, we're going to talk some basic news. That is what Strange Talk with Doc's about. It is a news program mixed in with worldly things. And I always like to start off with my worldly topics. So let's go back to this again. 12-step program, AA and NA. They are hugely popular, but are they actively actively effective okay let's start this out by just saying some people go to na and some people go to aa and i want to preface this by saying i am not knocking na i'm not knocking aa i'm not knocking alaton alatine or any of these programs if it fits for you and you maintain your life through these programs i say go with god if it's religious group you join and stay clean and sober fine if it is a support group that you stay to, you go to to stay clean and sober i'm with you there too and i also have to state this and i'm going to do it two times i am not an addict i am not an alcoholic i am not a recovering addict and i am not a recovering alcoholic so from that place i do not speak but i have been around enough people over the course of my life, who have suffered through both alcoholism and drug addiction to know a few things, okay? Now, let's be honest. Some people go to NA and some people go to AA only because they need a signature for their PO. 
their parole officer. So let's get that out of the way. They're not there for any other reason but to get a signature on a piece of paper to show that they are doing what is needed to be done to stay free from prison or jail. My question is the same one that I ask all people who go to NA or AA. When do people become ex-addicts? When do people become people who have overcome their addiction? These programs make it so that you have an incurable disease. Now think about this. People get in remission from cancer. They get in remission from all kinds of diseases. But you never become in remission from drugs or alcohol. You never, 30 years down the line, you are still an addict. You are still an alcoholic. Okay, I believe that AA and NA bring you down. They make you talk about your downfalls more than what brings you up. They knock, you are always powerless, you're always lost, you're always uh, just one step away, one day away from blowing up. Where's the, you have done some good People have to come to realization that there's reasons why they quit, not a support group. Some people quit because they get deathly ill. Some people quit because they get pressure from their jobs, their families, and they no longer can deal with uh, being an addict. Some people quit for shame. Some people have just ran its course. The alcoholism, the drug addiction has just ran its course. Some people have it because they, it's a violation of their parole. Now, you have to think about this. When you went in what they call these rooms, who is in those rooms with you? Could it be a rapist, a pedophile, a murderer, a thief? I mean, if you are also on parole or probation, now, I don't know the letter of the law on this one, but fraternization with other known felons is against the laws. So can you lose your rights by being in the NA or AA group? There might be 10 other felons in that group. You know, I understand that getting help is life and death. Getting help is life and death. But powerless talk is cheap. That's bullshit. We have powers. We have control over our being. Even if it's in a weakened state, there are some controls over our being. You don't just piss on yourself all day. You don't just uh, willy-nilly get in a car and, and decide to slam it into other cars on the highway. You are not totally powerless. You might lack some control over a situation, but you're not fully powerless. You must have real change. You have to have real change to your gut honest level. Things about you need to be gone. Things about you that are positive need to be built up. Uh, this powerless bullshit is ridiculous. Now, the thing I really don't like is the cult-like behavior. You know what? You're no longer lonely. Everybody's going to welcome you in. They're going to make you feel like you're a member of a group. When you might have been an outsider and that might have led to your drug addiction. All of a sudden, hugs and come back for more and slaps on the back 
and stupid ass keychains. People celebrating your anniversary when the friends in your family might not have even gave you a birthday call. You get coins. So it makes some people feel good to be wanted, to be accepted. But we also have to realize there's no such thing as a one box fits all. You do not all fit in one box. Every addict's experience is not going to be exactly the same or nowhere near the same as another addict's experience. You have to realize it is okay if AA and NA do not work for you. You might be a person who needs to get therapy. You might be a person who needs to be on medication because your drug addiction stems from a psychological, emotional, or physical trauma that you may have suffered. You do realize that your sponsor is also an addict, and probably more than likely an untrained addict. Is your sponsor a predator? Does your sponsor prey on those who are weaker, who just came into the program, and then they act like they know it all, where they could sexually abuse vulnerable women or maybe even vulnerable men? What about this? If you go to meetings in your direct community, a neighborhood that you grew up in, how much anonymity do you truly have? Wouldn't those people know you? Wouldn't those people know your family members? They would know your name because here's the part of it. It's anonymous. So being anonymous means automatically you should be seeking meetings outside of your local community so that people don't know your personal business, but they can't use it against you, where they can't call this up in a conversation in a mixed crowd. Because that's a part of being able to look somebody up and finding out who they are. In this day and age of social media, you could put in a name and get enough history on an individual. But because there are no last names involved, you don't know if that person is a sexual predator. You don't know that everything about that person, right? I mean, like I said before, some people are going to need therapy. Some people are going to need medication. Some people are going to need long-term rehabilitation. Some people are going to need detox because detox might come with withdrawal symptoms, which you will not be able to address in an NA or AA group. If somebody comes in an opiate addiction, you can't tell them one day at a time. They might have to kick a habit that could put them in physical harm. So they need to go somewhere first. They need to go somewhere that is not aligned with NA or AA standards or meeting principles. You know what? Uh, there's also this thing about the apologies. If you apologize to someone for doing them wrong and if they don't accept it, it's on them. That's bullshit. Sometimes you have done things to people where it is almost they have to be spiritually and religiously so connected to accept your apology that it's ridiculous to even put that on them. You have put enough on a person that you hurt. Now you're putting the added pressure on another individual by saying that if they don't accept your apology, which might not be sincere because it's just a step and we don't know how hard anybody actually works on steps, that it's not fair. And then there's also, what about the religious beliefs? There's a lot of times I'm looking at these 12 steps where they mention God, God, God. What about a person who goes in it as agnostic or straight up um, 
just does not believe in any form of a higher power. They can't even really get past the second steps in these groups. They will always be an outside in this group, you know? Also, AA, NA do not teach self-discipline. They do not teach self-discipline. They do not tell you that you are responsible. You have a lot of responsibility with what goes on with you. These are not, we're not talking about little kids. We are talking about adults. I went to a AA meeting once with a buddy of mine. And it was a guy in a, that particular room who had 27 years of not drinking. He claimed to have no desire to drink. He claimed that he doesn't even get tinges to drink. He knows how to be around people who drink and it's no problem. So I asked him, I said, man, how after 27 years are you still calling yourself an addict? I mean, you don't get no pride, no sense of pride in the fact that you've made it 27 years of being sober. I mean, most people on the planet don't have 27 years of being sober. But you're acting like just yesterday you were laying in a fucking gutter somewhere, rolling around begging for change. And I, I, I call bullshit on that. There has to come a time. And I know I said this before, but there has to come a time where, you know what, these slogans are not going to get it. They're not going to cut it. I mean, see, like, I'm from Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn, and I knew enough people who ended up in what they would consider this nightmare called Phoenix House. Phoenix House was one of the first rehabs that most of us in the hood ever heard of, you know, where people had to be responsible. They had to wash. They had to clean. They had to do these menial tasks that they were not doing because if they were running around as a crackhead, they wasn't even keeping their upkeep. But these slogans, and let's get at some of these slogans, one day at a time. Yes, we all live one day at a time. That's not that profound. Easy does it. What are you going to do? Do it the hard way? You've already been doing the hard way by being an addict. Let it go and let God. How does that fit into an agnostic or a person who does not believe in a God? Spirituality versus religion. Now, there is a big divide or chasm between spirituality versus religion. Religion is an organized set of rules and regulations that have a deity. Spirituality could be somebody that's into 500 different forms of religion. Keep it simple, stupid. See, here's a problem here. If you're already telling somebody that they're stupid, there is nothing else they can do but actually keep it simple. Them trying to act intelligent will prove their stupidity. Progress, not perfection. We all seek progress in our lives because we cannot obtain perfection. It is without, well, it's beyond our grasp to be perfect. No man is born to be perfect, will be perfect, or does anything perfectly. We just don't do that. We do it to the best of our abilities. Nothing changes if nothing changes. Things are constantly evolving. Things are constantly changing. There is nothing on this planet that does not change day to day, year to year, week to week. Circumstances change. Lifestyles change. Atmosphere changes. You will find change. First things first, 
what is the first thing that's first? What is that? And how does that apply to all individuals? First things first. What are they even getting at? Faith, faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead is biblical. So I'm not even going to touch on that one. Okay, I'm an alcoholic, drug addict. I'm a dry alcoholic. I'm a dry drug addict. What the fuck is that? Either you're using or you're not using if you get down to the basic of the, the gist of the problem. Are you sober today? If you can claim that you are sober today, but your personality isn't fitting in with the people around you, do they have the right to call you a dry drunk or a dry addict? No, you're clean and sober. And you might have five years in. Who the fuck? Why do you allow people to take things from you that are not theirs to take? You have the right. And I'm talking to you, AA member. I'm talking to you, NA member. You have the right to not tap yourself on the back, but not be robbed of success also. And a chip, a clip, an anniversary, and a keychain is not what you're there for. You're trying to get control back over your life, but then your 12 steps say you are powerless and you have no control and you're unmanageable. I mean, why? Why? I'm trying to figure that out. We admit to God and to ourselves and to other human beings the exact nature of our wrongs. After you admit to God, you and you've already when you talk to God, you're already talking to yourself. There's no need to talk to another human being about the exact nature of your wrongs. The exact nature of your wrongs might get you incarcerated. Hmm. Make direct amends to to people when possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Yes, that's good. See, but they don't let you know the addendum to this is if they don't accept your direct amends, then it's on them and not on you. Uh, I say, if you are suffering from any drug or alcohol problem, get to the true root of what causes you to use. Do you use because you were enjoying it? Do you use because you're masking pain? And like I said, get yourself a therapist. If you need medication because you might be bipolar, you might suffer from PTSD, you might have issues that are deep-rooted and long-term. They go all the way back to childhood that have never been addressed. You are not going to get what you want in a cult-like situation like AA and NA. But I wish you the very best. I wish that you get that quote-unquote monkey off your back, that you become an example. See, to be an example to other people, you must either be a total failure or you must have some success. And a powerless, I-have-no-control person trying to convince somebody else to get it together doesn't even make sense to me. So you, these these cliches and this bullshit, it's got to go, man. I mean, but if, if it works for you and it has helped you, Take bits and parts of it and make that work for other people because we don't get to keep anything unless we truly give it away. So if you found some keys, if you found some ways, if you found some coping mechanisms that you can help other human beings with who are suffering through addiction, I don't care if it's leading them to a mosque, a temple, to meditation, opening their eyes to some literature, 
some books that are heavy that touch on some things that they might be dealing with do that do that help i'm not ever going to tell another human not to help another human better themselves because we better ourselves as we better others and i thank you for listening through that and if you have any feedback whatsoever just reach out to me you could tell me where you thought i was dead wrong you could tell me if you think i should go fuck myself i love to hear from you okay and I'm going to move on is, to the regular. There are a lot of red flags to let you know that a relationship is on life support, that it is almost over. But one of the hidden relationship uh, red flags is when a woman or, say, the male in the relationship who takes the nurturer role stops caring what you're eating or if you're eating. Now, so you say, oh, that is silly shit you're talking about. But let's be realistic. There are roles that people take in relationships. One's going to be the hunter-gatherer, the protector. The other one's going to be the nurturer, right? The one who's going to be more concerned with health matters, who's going to be concerned with diet. And if you have a gender relationship, this female is going to have some kind of maternal instincts that's going to kick in, that's going to be what she shows is your best interest at heart. Now, she doesn't care if a hot meal is on the table. She doesn't give a damn if you eat McDonald's every day. She doesn't care if you ate lunch. She is out. She is actually letting you know in a way that she is out. Now, we all have clear signs. Relationship is bad. And there's no need to really get into those. But they're, for the most part, cheating, constant fighting, money issues, raising the children issues abuse or the relationship has run its course now it's up to you to decide if any of those things are worth fixing this or bailing out before somebody gets physically emotionally financially destroyed wrecked or hurt because with these different roles you and i do not pretend to understand a woman's mind nor will i sit here and tell you that i have any way shape or form that I'm going to fantasize that I can think as a female would think or think as a male with a male would think. But this is like a very overlooked issue. You got to just look at it. If you are getting those red flags, she does not care anymore. You can, like I said, you can come home with McDonald's today, Burger King tomorrow, White Castle's the next day. And she doesn't complain about you getting fatter, you getting less healthier she just doesn't give a damn, then she is letting you know in her own way that she no longer cares because it just goes against her nature to do this. So just something to think about. I just like to come up with something. It ain't got to be the deepest shit, but it's just got to be something to give you a little bug in your ear. And if you're one of those fellas that's going through this, I mean, you know, your mother taught you or your father taught you, God bless the child that's got his own. But you got to also look out for who you're laying in bed with and what their intentions, which you are. So protect yourself. Address this if you feel it's necessary. Ignore it and reap the consequences of what will happen to you as far as this relationship goes. This was a hot week, people. We had a lot going on. We had the UFC. We had Major League Baseball. We had the NBA. We had a huge Powerball, Daylight Savings Time, early voting. We had Kanye and Kyrie. 
We had the WWE, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, uh, NFL, and NBA. And we're going to get to all of that. We are going to touch on each and every one of those subjects. But I want to talk about what the subject matter is for the show today. Faith does not always match reality. Or at least my faith does not always match my reality. And I have had to come to grips and come to terms with that. And there's ways that I learned to do this. There's first three words that we need to fully understand before we can even delve into this situation. One is perception, which is the the act of anticipation, foresight. Then we got the act of viewing a mental image, a capacity for comprehension. That's perception. Then faith. Faith is a firm belief in something for which there is no proof, like a belief in God or in doctrines or teachings of a religion. It's the obligation of loyalty or fidelity to a person, promise, or an engagement. That's faith. Reality is the state of things as as they are rather than as you imagine them to be, something that is real, something that is realistic. So going into that, faith is unseen, faith is unknown, but it must include some form of works on the person who has faith for it to even be activated. So faith without works is nothing. So we have to start there. And then Nietzsche said, faith means not wanting to know what is true. Uh, That means, in his ideas, faith just means that you are afraid to accept the reality of whatever is going on in your life. Your perception is bad. I tend to disagree with Mr. Nietzsche on this point. We have morality and natural laws uh, that govern us. These things are true. Uh, People are gripped with fears of the unknown So they ask God for answers. Does he answer? Maybe no. But also remember, God cannot lie. But we treat God as though he is Santa Claus. And this is where our expectations and our faith run into a brick wall. If you think that your God is some form of a Santa Claus, or some form of just a gift giver, you blow the whole concept of what faith really means because our expectations our perceptions right have to lead us into a general course of action that we accept things one as they are so i'm not going to totally degree disagree with mr frederick nietzsche on this you know if you're going to be rational there are moral laws mortality laws there are natural laws you can't faith 80 years old and say, God, no matter how much you believe that you're going to wake up at 10 years old tomorrow or that you get to relive days that are gone. But when I think about my faith not matching my reality, I always ask myself, what do I ask for to begin with? Are the things that I ask for from a higher power, spiritual power, the universe in in inherence with what one I deserve? Because there's not much that I deserve or much that I have earned other than the things that I put hard work in. And even those are not granted and guaranteed success. Failure is just a bigger part of reality as success is. 
This is how we get to rearrange things. This is how we get to fix things. This is how we get to improve upon things, how we learn more things about things. Um, so I never ask for anything because I have never, and I'm going to make this very clear, me as a person, I have never heard God's voice. I have never claimed to have been touched by God. I have claimed, I have never claimed to have met any kind of angel. I do not blame, claim to be super blessed any more than any other human being walking on the face of the earth. But I also have been all around this country. And I've been all around this country in some bad locations by myself. And I have never ended up with even a scar, not even a scratch on my body. I have never been in a situation that I could not get out of. And does that mean that even though I don't ask for these things and do some form of faith that God still blesses me? That could be 100% true because I have been, you name it, you name a hood, I've been there. I've been to California. I've been to Connecticut. I've been to the South Bronx at four in the morning by myself. I've been in Bed-Stuy walking by myself. I've been to Gary, Indiana. I've been to the five wards. I've been out in Vegas. I mean, I've been in Dominican Republic. I have traveled. I have been a lot of places. I've been in too many places to, to, to mention right here because I'm not trying to, to uh, give myself a tap on the back because I left the fucking block. No, that's not what this is about. But once again, I have been all these places and I've been all these places by myself. I have walked the street with no fear by myself and not even a scratch. In 50 plus years, I have never been a victim of anybody. And maybe that is not even realizing that I have such faith in God that he protects me even when I don't even ask him to protect me. Because I understand also that there's things in life that I deserve. Now, I'm going to go into that next week further. Something happened to me that was devastating, but also the greatest moment of my entire life. But I am saving that for next show. I don't want to get into that now. And in that situation, God did reveal things to me that I needed to see to wake up, to take the veil and the scales off my eyes so that I can move forward with this life and not be held uh, myself at fault not who the universe had for, not blame God, but be able to literally look in the mirror and point my finger at that man standing there and say, this is on you, son. You did this to yourself. And for that, you bear the responsibilities, you bear the weight, and you bear everything that comes with it. I don't blame a God. I don't blame an unseen sight for anything that goes wrong with me. If anything I ever pray for in this life is I pray for the strength to make it through the situation that I'm in, not to remove me from the situation. See, I'm not built cowardly like that. I don't want to be removed from any situation. I want to be able to have the knowledge, the foresight, and the strength to make it through what I must bear. And I think that shows a lot about a human being's character. Do you pray to run away especially in situations that you might have created and then you have the nerve to say that you your faith does not match your reality that you have stronger faith no you are hoping wishing and praying for santa 
to remove you from a situation that might be 100% for you. You have to, or we should learn. There are things that we put ourselves in jackpot situations. And this is from a boy who grew up Catholic, but then spent the most of his life as an atheist. I didn't have a come to Jesus moment in life. I just grew up. And I started thinking that there are some things out there that are bigger than me. There are things out there that control this entire universe. I am not the end all, be all. Everything does not revolve around me, nor should everything revolve around me. I am not smart enough. I am not strong enough. I did not create one drop of air that blows. I can't make the waves in the sea move, nor can I make the sun and the moon rise and shine. So I understand that there are powers out there. What you place the name of your power on is on you. I do not guide anybody left. I do not guide anybody right. I am a person that does believe that you should have faith, but you should direct your faith accordingly. You should be able to take some responsibilities You are obligated. You are obligated as a person, if you are a person of faith, to know the difference between foolishness and between faith, between what is right, what is law, and what is possible. I gave you the scenario of the 80-year-old man who has faith through the yin-yang, but he's not being realistic because he is praying and hoping and believing that tomorrow he will wake up as a 12-year-old back in high school. And it's not going to happen. So match your faith to your reality. And then sometimes you have to reform your reality to meet actually your faith. Because we have to think about what's metaphoric and what's literal. God didn't give any man the power to move a literal mountain. Even though it's written, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can move mountains. No man has ever moved a literal mountain. So we have to look at what it says, delve delve deeper into what it says, and then be realistic about anything that is written. Now, I appreciate you sticking with me. Uh, If you think that I'm wrong about something, hit me up. You know the deal. I'm always open to discussion. I'm always open to suggestion. I'm always open to correction because I'm not a know-it-all, okay? And now it's time to move on to the regular portion than I normally do. I'm going to tell you some things. Okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to deal with my subject matter. After I deal with my subject matter, I'm going to go into sports, TV, regular news and things like that. And then I'm going to give a a brief update of anything or any thoughts that I may have later on that deals with my subject matter at hand. Now, I might do something I don't normally do. I might use some racial epithets that I don't normally use. Strange Talk with Doc is not a place that I throw around the N-word, but there's some stories that are in here where I must use the word as it was said. So, That being said, you have been forewarned. There will be some cussing going on because some of these topics hit me in a way that I'm not going to be able to over-educate my dialogue. I'm not looking for another word to describe a feeling that's organic to me, but I'm just letting you know.
And today we're going to deal with black people. I need you to stop being stupid and wake the fuck up. And we also going to deal with the 11th anniversary of my best and worst day that I've ever had in my entire life for the most part. Okay. So let's start off with black people. Stop being stupid. Okay. We, a couple of things that we need to get out of the way. First and foremost, we're not monolithic. Monolithic reinforces stereotypes. It lumps all people together into a group or category, okay? We are not that. Black, America's black population, the world's black population makes up many differences geographically, gender-wise, uh, finances, social beings, education, you can go on. That's one of the things, or a lot of the things that separate us from each other without even going into the fact that no group of people for the most part are monolithic. Then we have to deal with the fact of mutual exclusivity. And that is when two plans are mutually exclusive, implementing one will automatically rule out the other. It is a term to describe two or more events that cannot happen simultaneously. I'm going to give you an example, right? Say you roll a dice. You cannot roll a five and a three simultaneous on a single day dice. But however, you can roll a five and a three on two dice. So do you understand? I'm sure that you understand fully what I'm getting at. First of all, we're not monolithic. And then there are things that are mutually exclusive that don't make sense. Twitter this week went fucking crazy with this Kyrie backtracking to the point that black people started posting videos of Tucker Carlson in some way or another backing Kyrie Irving. This is Tucker Carlson, people. Are we so fucking stupid that we are now using Tucker Carlson to manipulate us as though he cares if we don't, if we went to civil war with each other tomorrow? This is Fox News and Tucker Carlson, and you are now bigging up videos because he's finding a way, he's finding some way somehow to say that Kyrie is being used, emasculated. And even if he's 100% right, it's also, you have to think about the source of the information. Then we have this Louis Farrakhan, Louis Farrakhan, who, for some reason, a group of black people love him. And see, this is where mutual exclusivity comes in. It's all right that some people love him. And it's also all right that some black people criticize him. One is not right, nor is the other wrong. They're both right and they're both wrong. If you feel that he has done something to uplift your life, then you are good and fine with that. But if you find him irrelevant, that does not take your blackness away. We have to, one, stop this bullshit by telling other black people their value as black people. Black people are black people. We don't experience the same hardships. We don't experience the same uplift. We don't experience the same anything for the most part, other than the fact that we are black in America. You take a black lawyer, you set him on a corner, some white people who have a certain feeling towards black people see them, they don't see an attorney. They see a black man, maybe a threat. You take a gangster and you put him in the right situation and he's not acting thuggish and these white people will accept him. So that's just the way it goes. We have stopped 
got to stop acting almost like the MAGA mentality, but opposite. That, you know, we're just following in the masses. We're making stupid arguments. We're making comparisons. Every time something happens to somebody white that could be 100% wrong doesn't mean that you should want it to happen for a black person because it would still be 100% wrong. And so we need to kill that mentality totally. These bad comparisons was what happened with Dylan Roof, right? Would the cops took him for lunch? Hell no. But why would you want a black kid who may do the same crime to get the same treatment? Shouldn't you want them both to be treated like shit? I mean, that's just a question. You ask yourself, do you think that? You know what? Uh, I ran into black Israelites in my life. And the first time I ever ran into them was if you were a Brooklynite, you know where RB Square Mall is. This is downtown Brooklyn. I was walking up the block. I happened to be working on Wall Street at the time. So I had on a suit and a tie and some shine shoes. You know the look. And as I was walking by, these fucking uh, dudes looking like they straight out of uh, a fucking rock video. I'd never seen them before in my life. They decide that out of everybody on the block, they want to call me yellow nigger. So this stopped me in my track. It stopped me directly in my track. I'm like, who the fuck are these um dudes looking like they're from Planet Funk? Uh, you know, African Bombada dressed up in all this leather with on bands. Look at this yellow nigga. Who the fuck he think he is? He's one of those traitors. I'm like, yo, dude. You know what? If you got some knowledge to kick, kick it, but you ain't got to fucking attack me. And I went straight into my Brooklyn mode because fear was no longer even on the table. I was just angry to be attacked. by. I had never been attacked in the streets by a group of black men when I wasn't doing anything. But they were judging my blackness because I guess I was too high yellow to be what they considered about the cause. How fucking dare you tell some black person what is inside them, what their fight, what their struggle. You don't know what they went through. I have no clue what another black man or black woman has gone through in their life. The roadblocks that they have faced. They might be highly educated and have been turned down for job after job. They might have been denied housing. They might have been denied fairness and 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 chances for advancements at their uh, at their their office does that mean that just because somebody who's a street guy has went through a harder time you know what maybe this adds up to the same kind of spirit of racism and denial as that guy was on the street who feels like he has no choices but to be on the street when this other dude has made a choice that he wants to be a part of corporate america and corporate America's going and telling him to go fuck himself at every turn. So he's underpaid. He's underemployed. His education doesn't meet uh, the standards that he should be living at because, only because of the color of his skin. But when we perpetuate, not anybody else, when we, the insiders, perpetuate bullshit about our own selves, when we go to this monolithic mindset that anybody who does not fall into the class that we decide is what is black and you start denigrating other people whose blackness you are fucked up i want nothing to do with you you need to look at yourself 
I don't give a fuck if you need to write this shit down on paper. Write it down on paper and see if it makes sense when you read it back. If you say to yourself, if I was just reading this blindly, would this make sense what I just wrote? And I'm here to tell you that more than likely what you're saying is not going to make zero sense. You're going to come off sound like a complete and utter ass. Like I said, go for who you go for. But don't knock down the next person because you can't. Because you want to know something? When you post that shit on Twitter, when you post that shit on Instagram, when you post that shit on Facebook, the others are always looking. And you know what? They will side in. They will start agreeing. They will start retweeting they will start sharing they will start liking and they will know the ways in which to attack other black people through black people and it makes no fucking sense all you got to do is shut up maybe stop being stupid think about what you post think about what you say think about who you big up if they have done nothing positive don't give them don't give a Tucker Carlson all these fucking likes. All of a sudden, this Tucker Carlson is getting likes and retweets. Not by white people. White people saying, we've been saying this shit for years. We know how to manipulate this system. It's our system. But now we're going to allow you to be also manipulated because we have gotten to the point as black people in America where celebrity is right at all time. And that shit is garbage. Kanye can be wrong. Kyrie can be wrong. And you could still be pro-militant black. It is okay to criticize. It is okay to correct anybody who is doing wrong. It does not take away your blackness. And the thing is, if you think that your blackness is on the line for speaking your mind or thinking that you don't have freedoms, and that's bullshit also, you have freedoms. Think about this. Who's coming to your house to arrest you for speaking your mind? Nobody. Has a warrant been placed for your arrest? Have you been violated on parole or probation for just speaking your mind? No, you have not. You don't know nobody who has. That day is that ship has sailed. I mean, will it make people look at you? Maybe. Maybe. If you're saying some real incendiary bullshit, and you know you can't scream fire in a movie theater, and that's the type of shit you're doing, sure, somebody might look at you. But for the most part, nobody's coming after you. Nobody's targeting you. You're not that fucking important. What you are important is this, that your viewpoints matter, that your, your job matters if you want to stay employed. By saying stupid shit, bigging up stupid shit, and liking stupid shit, we need to get away from that. You know what? Social media is a big downfall for the black community because it's showing a, it's allowing a lot of people who think that they're intelligent to prove how unintelligent they really are. I mean, it's really giving them a voice to some people who should have their voice hushed a little bit or a voice to people who should spend more time educating themselves about certain facts now that's basically all i want to say about that now i want to go on to the 11th anniversary of a top moment in my life that is a mo among i'm sorry among the worst things that's ever happened to me and one of the greatest things that ever happened to me on 11 11 11 
I went to work. I was working at a law firm. It was a regular day at work. And I'm going to make this story short as I possibly can. It was a regular day at work. Nothing out of the abnormal. I went downtown Brooklyn after work. I met a buddy of mine over near Junior's. I wasn't feeling well, so I cut off the uh, meat quickly. I might have only met with this brother for 10 minutes. And by the way, rest in peace, Tony, because that's who I met that day. I got on the train, and my temperature must have shot, too. And we're talking about November 11th in New York City, so it wasn't that warm out. My temperature must have shot to about where it felt like it was 95 degrees on my body. And I started sweating profusely. Now, I'm on a train with people that I would see basically every day. Even though it's New York, there's certain, if you ride the same car every day at the same time, you could have pretty much see some familiar faces. And I mean, I got super dizzy. I was sweating. I couldn't breathe. Long story comes to short, I make it to my stop. Somewhere or another, I make it up the steps. I start walking. It took me three hours to make what would be a 15-minute walk to my home. I was living on East uh, Ocean Parkway at the time. If you're from Brooklyn, you know where Ocean Parkway is. Ocean Parkway and Avenue C. Well, that night, I finally make it home. Somewhere or another, I was able to gather the strength to even pick up food for my wife. I lay down in bed. She could tell that my clothes are soaked. I mean, through my socks, my pants, my shirt, everything soaked. I just want to go to bed. Well, the next day, she's like, listen, baby, I don't care what you're doing. I'm taking you to the hospital. So we get to the emergency room, and I go to the emergency room, and everybody thinks I have pneumonia. Well, come to find out I don't have pneumonia because they gave me a test, and they told me that my heart was in failure. Okay. My heart was in failure. They gave me some pills that allowed me, and I did a, a a podcast on this. It's a short one, one of those clips you could find. I pissed for maybe five or six minutes. I mean, I must have peed out like gallons of water, so I was able to breathe. But they started running tests on me, and uh, the last test, they found out that I had arteries that were clogged, and my valve was damaged. So... This is where we get to. That was the anniversary. This was beginning of wind up being a, one of the worst periods because for the next 12 days, it took about, no, I'm sorry. It took about a month before I could actually have heart surgery. And I had heart surgery on December 12, 11. So it went from 11, 11, 11 to 12, 11, 11. I had heart surgery. I wound up being in a hospital to 12-22-11. I was in the hospital a grand total of 11 days. Now, this is where it became the greatest thing that ever happened to me. While I was in this hospital, my job had known what was going on with me. For some reason or another, I don't think they allowed anybody to contact me because I never received a phone call. My wife never received a phone call. I never even got an email or a text And I guess they were trying to protect themselves from giving out any personal information. So I'm going to, in a way, have to forgive them for that. But while I was in this hospital, this is a guy who had a a level of popularity in the neighborhood. I used to hang around with sometimes 10, 15 guys, a grand total of two people. And this is hard for me to actually admit, but you're going to be raw. You got to be raw. A grand total of two people reached out to me. 
while I was in the hospital. No family, no cousins, no aunts, no uncles, nothing. No nieces, no nephews. A grand total of two people, excluding my wife, reached out to me while I was in the hospital. This is a person who went through 11 and a half hours of surgery, who after surgery could not walk, could not move, had tubes coming in and out of everywhere. See, and this is where I say this is great, because to me, the greatest thing a person could ever do to you is reveal themselves, right? That is my perspective on life. That's my mindset. This was life altering. I could have died at any moment. Some people made me promises before surgery that they would reach out to at least my wife to find out how I was doing. People didn't even reach out to my wife to find out if I had made it through surgery because I'm not one to post updates about how I'm doing on social media. That's not me. You can go to my social media website and there's very little personal information. Almost everything that I do on social media revolves around strange talk with Doc, not Doc himself, because I don't think you really care about what I ate. You don't care where I just vacationed. You don't care about my bank account, my guns. You don't care about that shit. You care about what I say on this podcast. So I keep it to that. But when these people revealed themselves to me, it let me know who I was to these people. It also let me know that maybe I had never extended myself properly to certain people who I thought I did. See, I never blame an adjusted person for how they treat me. I also blame myself for how I allow myself to be treated. But it also released me from a lot of bullshit, a lot of stuff that I no longer had to carry no people that I never had to hear that how close they were to me because I was at the most desperate point in my life and nobody, I mean, not even a text. Hey brother, how you doing? I mean, I had my phone with me. I was able to get on my phone, but I didn't even have well wishes on my phone from employed people I was working with, nor people in my private life. And for the most part, what I did was I stepped away from everybody because I had no choice. I did not want to be around people who could tell me that they felt this way about me, but yet and still, they didn't really give a fuck. Because see, you know, that's when you tell and show somebody when they are going through dark times. And I did a podcast on that. When you're going through dark times, who was there? When you look around, is that room empty? Is that room full? And I say, bless you to those who have that room full of people visiting and you have so many visitors, people have to sneak a pass to get to you. But see, this at this time, I was in New York. I was in Brooklyn. I was a train, just a few train stops away from people that I've known for 20, 25 years. A lot of them drove. Did they get together on a Saturday and say, let's go check out Doc, man, see how this brother's doing? But they did not. I mean, so I'm never mad at them. I considered them to be a great day. I considered them to be a beautiful thing. I mean, when you reveal to me who you are, if you're hateful, if you're loving, that is fantastic. The veil is off. There's no hiding anymore. I know who you are. I know who the snake is. I know who the lamb is. So it's a beautiful thing. And not to say that the one of the people who visited me, we still remain close. 
No, we're not close at all. We're not in any contact whatsoever. But in that situation, he knew I would have been there for him. So he was there for me. So you can take a negative and it can be a positive if you allow yourself to have the proper perspective on any situation. I never took this as a negative. I never cried about it. I never got angry with anybody about it. I never was argumentative about it. I just said, it is what it is. I live my life as it is what it is. And I am able to, thank God, be able to swallow any pill that is given to me. I find the saliva. I find a good glass of water. And if it, even though it's tough, I swallow and I get it down. It stays down. It digests. It dissolves. And it becomes a part of my being. And I am just built that way. And I'm thankful I'm built that way. Am I happy that I had to go through what I had to go through to get to where I was? Hell no. Would I prefer to have never experienced that? Hell yes, I would have preferred not to, but it was for me. It was for me. So I didn't complain about it. I took it on as a man. I had a beautiful wife to stay in there with me, to fight through every moment with me, to help me recover, to help me get better, to also still be on my ass about certain things that so that we don't get back in that situation ever again because there's no guarantee that i'll make it through the next time but i made it through that time and i appreciate life i appreciate life more and maybe that's another thing that makes it great is because maybe i was taking life for granted and i didn't realize how much i was taking life for granted at the time but i no longer do I thank you for sitting through those two topics with me. I hope somebody got something out of it. I hope I get something out of it. I will listen back myself just to see what I was saying, if I made sense or not. Is in full swing. And let's move on to now, you keeping it real. I'm going to tell you what I mean by that exactly. Now, I know you have friends and you have family and you have loved ones you want to get together. Life is short and you want to make sure that you stay in contact with all the people that you should be in contact with. That is understood. But what I mean by keeping it real is this. When you go through and you see that it's a holiday and you're sitting at home and you got 20 minutes to burn, does that mean that you have to contact everybody that's on your contact list and say happy holidays? Do you have to say uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy New Year's to everybody that's on your social media do you have to reach out to everybody that you haven't been normally reaching out to? See, that's not keeping it real. You don't, you shouldn't need a holiday to stay in contact with the people that you care about. You really should not. Some people only hook up with their family once or twice a year, and it's during the holiday season, and everybody doesn't even get along, but they do this out of some kind of obligation, and that's not keeping it real, right? So you just have to be careful that, I mean, we have Black Friday, we have uh, Christmas coming up. Like I said, some people have Hanukkah coming up. Are you going to be putting yourself in debt to try to prove a point of how much love that you have for people by going out and overspending money that you need for your car insurance, for your rent, for food, for the maintenance of your normal life? Are you going to just, because you have it, overspend put stuff on a credit card instead of having used the year up to have a fund that you could use for your spending that could be reasonable and sensible but no you got twenty thousand in credit 
So you want to splurge. You want to show everybody your big willy. And you want to buy this for the kids. You want to buy that for the wife. And that's all fine and good. But can you handle it? Can you really, really financially take the blow that the holidays are going to place on you? Because there's also maybe you've got family members who have birthdays during this time. So you've got Christmas. you got birthdays. Are you buying for grown adults when they don't never buy for you? You know what? Maybe you have to start thinking about who you're giving to and why you're giving. The main reason is why are you giving this present to certain people? Never do it for your ego. Do it only out of love. If you go in debt a little bit for your family out of love, that is understood. But if you do it because you've got some kind of ego trip that you're on and you got to pay for this later, and some people, let's be honest, they got shitty credit cards. They're getting hit 21, 23, 24% interest rates, and they really can't handle this. They just constantly stay in debt, not thinking about something could go wrong with the car, something can go wrong with the crib, something can go wrong with a piece of furniture. you got to live like an adult at all times, and the holiday season does not give you the right or give you freedom to become a child again. Okay, we know the Christmas myth. Oh, you want to have it like a child. You want to experience it all over again. And you, you pray for a white Christmas, this, that, and the other. That's fantasy land. Let's stay in adult reality land. That's all you got to do. If you keep it real, you stay in reality. You keep it fake. You go into fantasy and you will pay for everything that you do this holiday season later. And like I said, reaching out to those people that you don't normally reach out to. And then four days later, regretting that you ever did it because there might be a reason that you were not in contact. So just watch yourself. Be careful. Enjoy the holidays. I hope that they're blessed. I hope that you have time off from work, that you get to spend the time that you need to spend with those that you love. Not the people who are just on the outside fringes. And those are the people, if they're on the outside fringes, keep them on the outside fringes. That is fine and dandy. You didn't do anything wrong. Talk about, uh, now we're going to move on to that sucks in some people's eyes. I got some emails. And you know what? I appreciate those who enjoy what I do here. But I also appreciate those who give me their feedback. And I've gotten some feedback. And I'm going to tackle some of these things. I don't you do this podcast to rail against people who disagree with me or take a humbrage with what I say or don't say. But if you're looking for certain kind of conversations, you're not going to get them here, okay? And we're going to talk about a few of them. I'm going to keep this brief, and I'm going to move on to the regular show. One of the conversations you're not going to get here is foolishness. Do not spread rumors. I do not deal in gossip. I am jealous of no one else's success. I wish everybody a great deal of success in whatever endeavor that they choose to do. I don't have to be the biggest podcast. I just need to touch a few people. All I am is a small seed, a very small seed in people's ears. And maybe I touch on something that they need to hear. They need to hear from somebody else that is a total stranger from them who might make them think, might say, you know what, I totally disagree with this dude. He's well based. Or they might say, you know what, I, I'm with that. And I never thought about that that way. 
there shall be no standing here. Standing, I do not deal in idolatry at all. I do not believe that celebrities are above regular working Joes and Janes. I do not believe in it. I don't believe that they have a magic key to some door that we are not allowed to go in. They just have success at a higher level than most people walking the earth. I try not to deal with any subject matter without a lack of understanding or knowledge. I try to exp go in and learn about the subject matters that I am touching on. And if I don't know, I just report it as it is and I move on. You will not find me speaking total Ebonics. I do speak English. I, You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying is not how I end and begin every sentence. If you're looking for that type of person, y'all, ah, I don't put on voices to make myself sound a certain way, gutturally. You know what? What I try to do here is be organic. I am not trying to be a comedian because I'm not a comedian. But if something makes you laugh, that meant it was organically funny to begin with. I don't take credit for it. I'm not trying to get taps on the back. I have to have some form of understanding on the subjects that I am speaking about. I don't just make up subjects to have a title and a show. You know what? I'm not. I am willing to look at all angles. Even if I disagree with the subject matter that I'm tackling, I try to look at it from a 360 degree angle so I make sure that I'm just not speaking out of the side of my neck. Once again, there's no cult idolatry worship here. I don't talk about people's relationships. There will be no Kims and Kanye's. There will be no who's pregnant by who. There will be no Nick Cannon with babies. Stuff like that does not interest me. That is their life. They are grown adults, so we do not talk about that. I am not a racist. I am not a homophobe. I am not pushing, pushing any kind of Christian agenda. I am not pushing any kind of agenda that deals with evil, wrongdoing, or scamming. I don't lie to make myself into something that I'm not. Now, I don't think that most subject matters should be off the tables. I don't think that we should be scared to talk about politics. We shouldn't be scared to talk about people in the news, people in sports. My life, if it interests you, music, television, society, social issues, hobbies. Even though I have hobbies, I can't really take you on a journey with me on my hobbies because I don't do a video podcast. So you're not going to go to the gun range with me. You're not going to go to the golf course with me. I will talk about them, but you can't go because I am not taking you there. I believe in speaking about learning things. I believe in speaking about what is right. I believe in also to open debate. I believe that you should have the right to be able to call in if you wish that's why at the end of every show, I let you know that there's a link to my show where you can call in live if you want to debate with me, if you want to talk to me about anything. I am open. I am fully open. As long as we're not dealing with some nonsense, some bullshit, some childish, I don't care. I know 
that this is mostly a sports news, politics, and life and society show. That's what we deal with here on Strange Talk with Doc. And for those who I am telling you, who hit me with emails, who said that they think that it sucks because I don't deal with some of these subjects, I am sure there are millions. And at this point, I don't even think I'm exaggerating. There are millions of podcasts out there who will deal with rumors, who will deal with gossip, who will deal with idolatry, who will stand for any celebrity, who will deal with worship, telling you what's wrong and what's right. This is not, I am not gangster. I'm just a grown ass man who has been through some situations. If you want to call it gangster, I think that living a clean, good, healthy life is gangster. When you buck society that says that you have to be a certain kind of way to get along, to be along, I think that's gangster when you can walk your own path and you don't listen to what everybody puts in your ear and tells you which way to go. When you know to go right and they're pushing you to go left and you go right anyway, you're being a true live gangster. You are thugging it out because that might be the direction that forces you to walk alone. So we talk about those subjects here. We deal with those subject matters here. And I thank you for listening to this. And once again, I fully understand if you say this podcast sucks because you don't like the flow of my voice, the tone of my voice, that I'm not speaking in a manner where I'm trying to make myself sound like some kind of fake yuck, yucker or somebody that's putting an inflection in my voice to make it sound more palatable to your ear. No, I'm going to give you my Brooklyn accent, which I heard that I have. I cannot hear it, but I heard that I have a form of a Brooklyn accent or a New York accent. And that's who you're going to get. You're going to get organic strange. You're going to get organic doc each and every time. I promise you that. That much I promise. So if I suck yesterday, I will suck tomorrow. And I will suck five years from now, God willing, if I'm still here and doing this. And you know what I say? Still peace to you and peace normally get to do. But it kind of refers to a thing that uh, I hold dear and near to me. I have an open call-in podcast. My number is located anywhere that you see Strings Talk with Doc online. My Twitter, my Facebook, my Instagram. I have a link that somebody and my website have a link so that a person can call in if they feel that I said something that was off base, if something that they disagreed with, even if it was an old subject they want to bring back up and to go over. But what I will not do, what I never, ever do, is argue or debate on social media. I refuse to do that. There are people who sit back and they get to enjoy their day watching other people go back and forth in comment sections on forms of social media. I will not be a party to that. I think that's lazy. When you can call in or make a voice recording, it's easy to post a voice recording on your thoughts, your views, and how you feel about any subject that is going on in the world. Now, what that's going to do is not going to waste your time going back and forth. It's not a pointless argument, right? You have to prove that you can shoot off the top of the dome, straight off the head, with no delay. Because when you're in the heat of a battle or debate, there's no 
checking. There's no Grammarly to check spell. There's no rewind on your brain to say, let's pause this and that person didn't hear you. What you said is what you mean. And you must mean what you say and say what you mean. And you don't get involved with the back and forth. Does that mean I do not comment on social media? That would be a straight up lie. If I see something, I comment on social media, but I don't reply back to my comment because I said what I meant and I mean what I say. So I don't feel that there's any reason for me to go back and forth with a total stranger on some issue that they may not agree with me on. When I have, like I said, an open podcast, an open calling podcast, I don't care who you are. I don't debate on subjects or even bother with subjects that I have no expertise. I am not going to tell a surgeon how to do surgery. I am not going to tell a dentist how to clean teeth. I'm not going to tell a mason how to lay bricks. I don't get involved with debates that I cannot, not one win, but that I can't even really learn anything from at the end of the day. It makes no sense. And I think that we shouldn't waste our time doing this. Um, if you find yourself spending 10 to 5 to 10% of your day doing nothing but commenting back and forth with people on like Facebook posts or Google or Yahoo or even Daily Mail or whatever it may be, some kind of news group, somebody says something that you don't like and you just go back and forth, I think that you could spend your time doing something more productive. Now, it's your life. You choose to live it the way that you choose to live it, and I have no control over that. I'm not saying that you're right or wrong. I'm just making a, a point. My point is I think that time could be well better spent. You could be doing something more positive than going back and forth and giving other people free entertainment when it's not even a form of supposedly entertainment. You think you're just getting your point across and there are people sitting in the background cheering both of you on to continue this all day that they so they have something to do with themselves. So if you find Doc, call me out. If you find me anywhere, any shape or form, going back and forth on social media with anybody, call me a liar, call me a fraud, call me a fake, and call me a phony and do it by verbally calling in and telling me what conversation it is and you know what dog me out I, I will allow you to do so because then that will prove that i don't mean what i say and i don't say what i mean do i sometimes have to delete posts because i was dead wrong yes i do i'm not perfect sometimes i rethink about something i said and said maybe i shouldn't have said that but either way i never go back and forth have I been guilty of doing that in the past? Sure, I have. I'm human. We get caught up in the moment sometimes. But that ship has sailed. I hope that this helps somebody. I hope that somebody thinks about how much time they spend per day going back and forth with strangers on social media sites. And maybe that's time you could be spending studying, working on your craft, spending time with your children, uh, engaging in more conversation with your loved one. You know, things of that nature, working out, who knows, learning a hobby, anything, something that's going to benefit you at the end of the day, other than arguing. So I'm going to move on to the regular portion.